Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray together. Father, we lift our hearts to you. You are among us. There is no doubt in our minds. Your word says, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. We're so glad we serve you, Jehovah. We're so glad we can bow down before the one who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is by the word of his power. Thank you for sending your son for us, Lord. Thank you for lifting us out of sinking sands and setting our feet upon a rock. Thank you for putting a new song into our mouths, even praises unto our God. We give you glory. We give you honor. You're the one who is due it all, for heaven is filled with your praises today. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Unto him be the glory and honor and dominion and power forever and ever. Lord, without you, I can do nothing, but I am never without you. For you said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That is my testimony today. That is your promise to me. I give you thanks this morning. Lord, just bless your word now as we turn to it. Speak to every heart. Speak to my heart. Open our eyes. Open our hearts, Lord. Open our ears, for we need you. And you're longing to do that. In the lovely name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Just uh, a few weeks back when I, I was thinking of, of coming down among you, um, the Lord dropped a, a thought into my heart. The, the verse that said, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. And I believe He wants me to share with you something about the journey of faith that all of us who are believers are on. It's, it's not just an instantaneous event. We are on a journey of faith. It is from faith to faith. It began in faith. It continues in faith and it will end in faith. And thanks be to God that faith has come to us. We didn't create it. It's not of our doing. It came by hearing the Word of God. And that Word caused faith to spring up in our hearts and salvation to come and grace to come to us. And we stand here this morning on a journey of faith but that, that journey's not like that. <laughs> is there anybody whose faith journey is like that? That faith journey is a bit like, you know, cardiac trace at times. We can be up, we can be down, we, it can be fairly level for a short time, and then something comes. But thanks be to our God this morning. We are only here because of Him. None of us is here because we were better at doing things than others. We all needed him, and he came to our rescue, and he lifted us up out of the miry clay so that we can proclaim his goodness and his mercy to us. So, I'd like to just uh, refer to Mark chapter 5 and um, the, the particular story of a faith journey of one man. It is so well known. Um, if you've been a, a Christian for any length of time, you will have heard this spoken about time and time again. It's the story of Jairus. And we're turning to Mark chapter 9, verse 21. 
it says this, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea, that was the Sea of Galilee. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. That's the title of my message this morning. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. He came to the house and the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. They laughed at him. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Jairus, I was taken with this man's journey of faith. He was a man who was a ruler in the synagogue. He had a position of influence in the community. No doubt he was the sort of man who, when he went down into the market, would be greeted time and time again by those in the community. They knew him. They respected him. His life was secure. He had this position of, of influence. He had a beautiful 12-year-old daughter. And I suppose at one time in his life, everything was just right, serene, calm, no problems. 
And I'm sure he doted on this little girl. If you're a father of a daughter, you will know what I mean. I'm sure every time she ran to him and embraced him, just feelings of affection and love would arise in his heart. She was his only daughter. He loved her, cherished her, thanked God for her every day. And he was living his life with all this security and all this serenity and all this stability until the day that she took on well. And all children, I suppose, during their life, they, they, they have sicknesses, you know, during the first 12 years, a little virus here, cold there, flu symptoms, whatever it was. But this was different. He could see that the hand of death was making inroads to take his child. And suddenly the serenity is, is shattered. Suddenly the stability goes. Suddenly that faith that he had in God as a man who believed the words of the Old Testament, who reveled in them, who trusted God's promises, suddenly, suddenly this hand of death stretches out to take away that which he loved. But somebody had told him about Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he left the place where the problem was. And he knew, I, if I stay where the problem is, there's no answer here. The synagogue can't do it. My, my fellow rulers, they can't do it. There's nobody in this vicinity can do it. I have to leave this problem, cherish that girl as I do, and I have to go and find the only one who can touch her, who can raise her. And he sets off because he'd heard about Jesus. There must have been faith in his heart. He believed that a miracle could be his, just like we sang about earlier. He believed a miracle is mine. I'm going to get Jesus because I know this. If he just puts his hand on her, she will live. I know this. And off he sets. And he sees Jesus stepping off the boat onto, onto the beach. Now it doesn't matter about what people think of him. When your children are dying, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. He runs and he falls at the feet of Jesus. Pastor Stephen, a beautiful word of prophecy, spoke about humility. So much of it just goes with what I have to share with you this morning. Here he is. He's, he falls at the feet of Jesus. The word fall literally means he goes from a high place to a low place. Now he finds himself in a place of humility. But that's exactly where God wants us to be. Jesus, I, I can see him in my mind. Jesus, come into my family. Come into my life. Come to my house and help us. My daughter is at the point of death. Jesus said, I will go. Oh my, what comfort those words must have brought to his heart. He stands up. Jesus said he would go. Hallelujah. He's, he's going to be with me. He's going. And, and, and when, when the Bible says in the King James Version, he besought him. The word besought is the Greek word parakaleo, from which we get the word paraclete. It's someone who will come alongside to help. And that's what he asked Jesus to be. Will you be my paraclete, Jesus? Will you come alongside me and help me? For my strength is gone. And many times we, we arrive there in our Christian journey of faith. We've run out of our own strength. We've run out of our own ability. It's only Jesus. He needs to show up and do something for us. 
and he stands up and he begins to walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is his paraclete. He's beside him. And I can imagine Jairus going through the crowd saying, excuse me, the next thing on his agenda is my house. Just, just let me through this crowd, please. Jesus needs to get to my house. He's coming with me. And he, he's walking. Now his faith, I've no doubt, is sky high. The, the answer's on the way. No problem. He's coming with me. Excuse me, please. I know you have needs, but I'm the next one on Jesus' agenda. And he's walking along through the crowd, pushing people out of the way. And this great multitude is following, trying to, trying to touch Jesus. But one woman, she touches him not with her finger, but with her faith. Her faith touches Jesus. He feels this virtue, this power, this dunamis go out of his body. And he stops to find out who it was. And I can imagine Jairus up ahead making a way for Jesus. And he looks back and Jesus is not there. And he's not beside him. Jesus, I thought I was the next thing in your agenda. Why, why are you stopping, Lord? Why are you delaying? Has anybody ever encountered a delay in an answer from heaven for our needs? Your pastor, Pastor Hamp, has been preaching to you about patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be complete and entire. It's so important. And there are times when we think Jesus should do what he's going to do in our time, and he does it in his time. And he's looking back, and he's looking at this delay, and, and he goes back, and he hears Jesus say to the woman, your faith has made you whole. And I'm sure in his mind he was thinking, whole? That's what I've asked him to do for my daughter. And he's telling her that her faith would make her whole. This, this is a faith thing. The connection between faith and wholeness. But Jesus, hurry up. And Jesus comes away from the lady. And now as Jairus turns, suddenly there comes people towards him. People who he recognizes. People from the, people from the church. But Jesus is beside him. And they come and... and, and you know, it's so, it's so bare what they say. It's so without compassion. If, if you just read it, they just come to him and he said, they say, your, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the master anymore? Your daughter's dead. You know what happens? Fear begins to wrap itself around him. Fear begins to take away that joy that he had when Jesus had said just minutes earlier, I will go with you. Fear began to envelop him. Do you know how I know it was fear? Because Jesus turns to him and he said, fear not. Fear not, Jairus. Only believe. I'm sure he felt his feet were nailed to the ground. Because when you hear shocking, terrible news of sudden death of a loved one like that, that's, that's what can happen. Fear had wrapped itself around him. We, ne we never read a single word that Jairus says after this. Only believe, Jairus. Brothers and sisters, this morning, wherever you are in your faith journey, 
whether you know Jesus is walking right beside you today and you feel way up here, or whether you're crushed by something that has happened, these are the words of Jesus to me and these are the words of Jesus to you. Only belief. Only belief. You don't have to try and work it out. You don't have to understand it. All you have to do is believe me. And then he turns to the multitude and to nine of the disciples and he said, boys, you wait here. Andrew, wait here. Judas, wait here. Thomas, son of Alphaeus, wait here. James, the son of Alphaeus. Thomas, you all wait here. Multitude, wait here. And he takes this silent Jairus. Now he's walking beside him. Now there's just a small group. Now there's three men who have seen his glory walking with them back to the house. Brothers and sisters, we don't need everybody on our case. We only need a few people who know what Jesus can do. And Jesus himself, he's walking beside him. He's his paraclete. Now it's the Holy Spirit who is our paraclete. He not only walks beside us, he lives in us. Jairus and Jesus, they're now walking side by side. And I couldn't help thinking in my imagination. I wonder what the song was that Jesus began to give him as he was walking along with him. Maybe the Carrie Job song. I am not alone. I am not alone. He will walk beside me. He will never leave me. And he, he walks with Jesus. And Jesus begins, I'm sure, to minister into this man's fears. The disciples would come and say, you know, Jairus, we've just seen him take a maniac out of the tombs who was crazy. We saw him raise a paralytic. Jairus, we saw him do this. We saw him do that. It's wonderful to listen to testimonies when you yourself need a new testimony. One of the most amazing half hours I ever encountered was I was invited by Lee McClellan to the uh, graduation of teen, uh, the Teen Challenge students in Nottingham. And 22 of them had one minute each to tell their story. It was the most amazing half hour. The first lady, and behind them on the left, they had a picture of her when she came into Teen Challenge and a picture of her in her graduation gowns 12 months later. And she, and she stood there, middle-aged woman. She said, my name's so-and-so, and I was an alcoholic, and I lived in empty houses with rats and mice and vermin. She said, I lost all my hair, I lost all my teeth, I lost my self-respect, I lost everything. And then she pointed down to the woman in Hope House, and this is what she said, and they loved me back to health. The second man came, man in his 40s. He said, I was so addicted by drugs. He said, my daily routine was to get out of bed in the morning and lift my machete and go up into my roof space and wait there for the people I thought were coming for me because of my paranoia. The next, I'm only going to do three, don't worry. The, the next girl, she came along and she said, I took postnatal depression after the birth of my second child. She said, I, I, I went on to medication and I started to take 
drugs, she said, and I lost my love for my husband, and I lost my love for my children, and my family disintegrated. She said, but I came into Hope House, and they told me about Jesus. They told me how he could deliver me no matter where I was. But she says, God has restored my family. I love my husband more than I ever did. I love my children. 22 testimonies, one minute each. I tell you, brother, my faith, when I was coming out of that place, I was saying, Jesus, there's nothing you cannot do. And I'm sure they were testifying to Jairus as he walks along. Do you know what the word Jairus means? The name Jairus means whom God enlightens. Whom God enlightens. And Jairus experienced the reality of his name. Do you know when God enlightens us? When trouble comes. Do you know when they found out that even the winds and the waves obeyed him? When they were in the storm. Do you know when Mary and Martha recognized that he really was the resurrection and the life? When their brother had died. And here was Jairus. God is going to enlighten him. He had taught him certain things in the past. And all of us as believers know that he's a savior. Some of us know that he can do miracles. He can do a miracle of restoration. He can do a miracle of healing. Some of us, when we look back on our lives, we have been enlightened. And Jairus was just like this. Jesus was going to enlighten him as to what he could do. But the case was the case. His daughter was dead, but Jesus is walking beside him. And they get to the house. And the professional mourners had turned up. One of the other accounts, some of them were playing flutes. Some of them were wailing and, and screaming. And why, and why not? This was a 12-year-old girl who had died. It's a terrible thing. And Jesus said to them, she's not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed at him. And Jesus said, I cannot work in this environment. You all have to go. Environment is so important. It is so important who you surround yourself with. You young people who stood up here and led us in worship of Jesus this morning, that was anointed. You, you dear young people who sang, that was anointed. We were brought into the presence of Jesus. Now, the, the enemy sees that. He hates you for what you do. He will come after you. Be careful of your environment. Surround yourself with people who can inspire you. It doesn't mean we live apart from the world. We all live in the world. But blessed be God. I, I said to somebody yesterday, you know, when we preach, when we preachers stand up and preach a sermon, generally it's after we preach it that we're tested on it. Whether we'll live out the truth of what we have actually said. But blessed be God. Jesus says to them, get out. You, you, you have limits on what I can do. You think I can't raise her out of death like you can waken your children from their sleep? Out! And he, goes, he sends them all out. And he goes in and she is dead. She is dead. And he lifts her by the hand and he says, Talitha kumi, little girl, I say unto you, arise. 
And I'm sure death standing at the portals, keeping all these people who had passed away captive, must have thought, not another one. He's calling another one. There's nothing I can do to stop what will happen at the sound of his voice as he calls this little girl back to life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he does call her. And she opens her eyes and she stands up and she begins to walk. And Jairus is enlightened. There's nothing he can't do. He's the Lord even of death. He's the prince of life. And if you're here this morning and you're going through a crisis, a moment of trial, and you're wondering what's going to become of this, I'm going to tell you today, Jesus Christ is going to enlighten you. Jesus Christ is going to reveal himself in a new way to you that you did not know before. In some ways, I can relate to this story in a very personal way. Our last child who was born, the midwife came to me as I sat waiting. My wife was having a section. And she came in to me and she put her hand on my shoulder. And she said, you've had a little girl. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. And she said, but she's not right. And I said, can I see her? And they brought me in. And while she was in her mother's womb, she'd taken stroke after stroke after stroke after stroke so that her brain was filled with cysts from the stroke. And I looked at her, at her little deformed body, and the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. And I said, give her to me. And, And I just took her, and I held her, and I kissed her. And she lived for 51 minutes, and she breathed four times. And the doctor came in and he put a stethoscope on her little chest and he said, I'm sorry, she's gone. And I was in a place where my thinking at that time was this. If only I have enough faith, she'll be healed. In other words, it's up to me. If I believe enough, it's a terrible place to be in, to think it's all down to you when it's all down to him. It really is all down to him. He'd healed my first daughter wonderfully. And I thought all I had to do was believe enough. And and so I, I began to think my faith is insufficient. I began to think this is the end of my faith journey because I don't know what faith is anymore. And I'm sure that thought came to Jairus when he heard your daughter is dead. I I, I came in this faith journey, but my faith journey has ended now. She's dead. When he thought he was at the end of his faith journey, Jesus said to him, only believe. And I remember going down into a dark, spiraling down. Just And I was the pastor. Sometimes the pastors are lower than you are. They're struggling against things. A real darkness has come upon them. And my wife was brokenhearted. And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know what to say. And I didn't know what the answer was but I was driving out the M2 just north of Belfast, just past Sandy Nose Roundabout, anybody who knows that area. And I was was in such darkness, such confusion. I was driving away from a prayer meeting. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, do you want an answer? I said, yes, Lord. 
He said, it wouldn't help you if I told you reasons. Do you still believe me? And now I realized that in my spiritual life, I was at a crossroads. I could either, in my confusion, say, no, I, I don't believe you anymore, but it came up out of my heart. It came up out of my spirit that God had touched when I was a five-year-old boy. That's where the truth comes from. And out of my heart and with a car on my own, I said, I believe you, Jesus. I can't work this out. It's painful. My wife's heart is breaking, but I believe you. And that's what he says to us this morning. Wherever we are, only believe me. Just put your faith in me. I'm greater than any obstacle, Jairus. Death is nothing to me. I'm the prince of life. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. And I'm sure Jairus' testimony after that was, you know, I remember the day he walked beside me. I'm sure when Jairus met Paul in heaven, Jairus told him about that. And I can imagine Paul saying, oh, Jairus, do you know what my, at, at, at the first time I was brought before the courts, do you know that all men forsook me, Jairus? Do you know that nobody stood by me, but the Lord stood by me? He strengthened me. He delivered me from the mouth of the lion. And he, will, he always strengthens his people. I can imagine them rejoicing together in heaven, looking back on the time when the Lord stood by them. And I want to say that to you this morning. The Lord is standing by you. Wherever, you're, wherever you are in your mind, wherever you are spiritually, He who keeps Israel, and we are His spiritual Israel, never slumbers nor sleeps. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is your paraclete. He is beside you, brothers and sisters. And He says to you and me, all I ask of you is to believe me. And the Jews came to them and they said, what work must we do in order to work the works of God? Jesus said, the work is to believe in me. That's it. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle belongs to the Lord. He is our captain. He is our victor. He is the one who will go before us against the enemy. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that's my message to you this morning. I've had a whole lot of notes written and things to say, but I know this, the God that we serve asks us to believe Him today. He's not just the God of Jairus. He's my God. Blessed be His name. And it doesn't matter if He's the God of everybody else beside you if you don't know He's your God. He is my shepherd. It's personal. I remember my dad telling me when he got saved, he couldn't read or write. And you know how important it is? We, we emphasize to people who, who give their lives to Jesus. Now, Sam, get, get your Bible, Sammy. You know, read it. He, he said, I had a Bible, but he said, I, I knelt down in my kitchen and I couldn't read or write. On the day I left school, the, my teacher took me to the side and said, Sammy, son, how are you going to survive out in that world? He got a job in a place. And when they found out he couldn't read or write, they used to write things about him on the wall, derogatory things. 
He didn't even know what it said. But he knelt that day in the kitchen with his Bible and he opened it and he said to me, Sam, the word shone out of the, out of the page unto me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he never did. He never did want. Hallelujah. He was walking beside him. Every moment of every hour of every day, he knew his weakness, but God was his strength. And that's my simple word to you today. Hallelujah. He's the God who enlightens us. We, let, we, we are on a faith journey where we don't know where we will be on the scale, but it doesn't matter where we are. What matters is where he is, and he is beside us. Hallelujah. I trust God has just ministered into your heart this morning, brothers and sisters. He's a wonderful Savior, so worthy of the praise, so worthy of the glory. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.